I truly feel like all Easter services should start with the Princess Bride in some way, form, or fashion, right? right. I only know you're only a little disappointed because you just wanted to keep watching it, right? It's an amazing movie. Uh, Love the themes. There's two big themes that are kind of running through this movie and, in fact, actually run through uh, almost all the movies in some way, form, or fashion, and that is this. There is this life, this guy that's on the table, Wesley, uh, is the character in the table. He's lost his life. And you feel the weight of how wrong that loss of life is when he has this true love. And that there's actually something great that he's supposed to live for, true love. And that is the theme that we see all throughout life. And we've all actually experienced it in some way, form, or fashion, right? You could think of all the great movies that you watched even growing up, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, all of these stories have one thing in common. There's some version, form of life that was taken away unjustly, and there's this hope or desire to actually have and experience real life. That's what we want to see. In fact, I'd venture to say there's nobody in here that just wants to exist. In fact, no one just wants to exist. We all want life. Every one of us. Nobody just wants to go about our day. In fact, we absolutely love being able to celebrate. We see that life is actually precious, right? Uh, life is something that we, we treasure, we hold on to, and we've all had those experiences where we really felt like life thriving. Now, uh, I, we, we can all point to different moments. Uh, if you have kids, one, uh, one of the most incredible things that I've ever had in my experience, we have four kids, uh, which makes us on the, like this side of crazy, all right? But we have four kiddos, but one of the most powerful things that I've ever gotten to be a part of is seeing life come forward. And, and we celebrate those moments. They're literally, they're blazed into my mind. In fact, you, you've probably got moments where you experienced some joy, some powerful experience, and it was like life. Maybe it was a vacation or something like that where you had life, and it was awesome. And we continue to celebrate these moments all the time, right? Right After the birth, then you're, you're just celebrating these moments where you see life, like all of a sudden, they, you know, they start to crawl, right? And then it becomes like a social media experience, like your kid crawling on the floor. And then when your kid takes the first step, and you're just like, you're jumping up and down celebrating. But the truth is, is really just, they had a huge bowling ball head and he flung that head forward and he had no choice but just to take a step and then, you know, to not crash. And then you were like, oh my God, praise Jesus. You know, like our kid took a step and it was like, no, this is just centrifugal force. It just, this is what happens. Like we celebrate these moments. Just the other day, uh, my, my, one of my kids like clipped, they clipped up. In there, so in their classes, they have clips. Are you familiar with this? And they like clipped up to rainbow status. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know what that is, but yeah, this, we celebrate, we love life. Nobody just wants to exist. Nobody wants to be sitting there. You didn't come in here this morning hoping just to get by in life. You wanted to feel the weight, the glory of what life is. There's a reason that we celebrate moments, and whether it's weddings or whatever it is, that's what we want all the time. Today's text that we're going to look at centers on this issue of life, how precious, how important, how meaningful it actually is. 
in John chapter 11. Now we're studying, we've been over the last few weeks studying these I am statements where Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am this. And he tells us with his own words, not like what the theologians want to say or anything, but just here, or here is who I am. And he makes seven different statements through the book of John. And we've gotten to study a few of those, and we come to this place in John chapter 11 where he makes this unbelievable statement about himself. And he says, I am, look at verse 25, John chapter 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, before we dig into the depth of all of what that means, we know what we're celebrating here this morning. Or if you came here, you, you generally know that we're celebrating that moment where Jesus Christ went to the cross, and on the cross, he bore the weight of the sin of, of, of his people, of people, and then he went into the grave. He literally died. He died, stopped breathing, heart stopped pumping, went into the grave, but then three days later, by the power of God, he was raised from the dead, came out of the tomb victoriously and continues to live uh, to this day. But this story or this account in John chapter 11 is actually talking about the death of another man named Lazarus. And it's, it's through and about the death of this man, a friend of Jesus named Lazarus, that we see Jesus making this unbelievable statement, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what's happening. In fact, if you go back to John chapter 11, if you go back to verse one, it says there was a certain man and he was sick or he was ill. It was Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So this, this is brothers and sisters here. Lazarus is sick and you can look at verse three. So the sisters sent to Jesus and they're asking, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They're, they're trying to let him know, hey, Jesus, your friend is sick. He's, it's looking bad. Would you come quickly? Now, every one of us, every one of us has gotten this kind of news before. We've all heard the news of a friend that we cared for and something painful or something disappointing or something hurtful was having you. In fact, you know, we're, this is a celebratory morning, but you might even find yourself where you've heard a bit of hard news, and it, it feels a little bit weighty to you this morning. We've, we've been there. Someone that you love is sick. Maybe you've, you've had a friend that had a, a cancer diagnosis, or uh, maybe the, the job, you, you're about to lose the job that you love, or you, you got a call from a, a school principal to talk to you about your teenager. And it's not because he wants to tell you they're on the AB honor roll, right? Those conversations that come in that, and there's a weight. In fact, I remember we moved here uh, just not quite uh, two years ago, and we hadn't even been here six months. And then um, we had a, a moment. My wife, all four of her grandparents were living, and she had, in a three-month span, she lost three of her grandparents and these are people that were meaningful to her as she was going through a really hard time in her life. Her grandparents were like this rock. And we moved away, you know, and, and I know you know this because nobody is from, nobody's actually from Tennessee. I figured this out. We just all move here. And we, we, we moved a long ways away from family. And, and that was a painful moment. She went through the loss of these uh, dear, these dear family members. And then after that, she 
she received news that her father had been diagnosed with cancer. And it was like back to back to back to back. And you feel the weight of these moments. It's like, what is going on? What is going on? We've all been at that place. Jesus here makes this statement when he finds out, listen, your friend is sick and it's not looking good. And he makes this statement in verse four. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said, listen, this illness is not going to lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. So here Jesus makes this incredible promise in the midst of this not good news He's going to point to this one thing that's going to shine over everything else. Listen, you're going through this moment, but it's, this is going to bring glory to God. This, this awful thing that you don't want to have happen in your life, God is going to be glorified in it. And from that, it's going to bring you joy and life and hope more than you ever thought before. This awful thing that's about to take place, listen, the glory of God is going to be lifted high and it's going to mean something to you. And as you begin to read on, if you sum up basically verse 5 through 14, Jesus does this strange thing where he says, listen, he makes the promise, this sickness is not going to end in death. And then he does this really peculiar thing, nothing, doesn't go anywhere. He actually stays, what it says, he stays for two more days. So he's made this promise. Now, typically when we think with our mind, like, hey, you made a promise, you said, hey, he's not, it's not going to end in death. You expect him to go and to take care of the sick man, but he doesn't do that. And so Jesus, every, you know, everybody's kind of freaking out about what's happening. Jesus is just kind of hanging out, seeing uh, how everybody is responding to this. And then he says, listen, okay, it's been a couple of days. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. And his disciples say, hey, wait a second. If we, if we go to that place, listen, they've been trying to kill you. These people have been literally, the people, the Jewish people had been trying to kill, the Jewish religious leaders have been trying to kill Jesus. Now they were trying to stone him. The last time he was there, they literally tried to kill him. They said, they're gonna come after you. And he goes, listen, I got, there's a couple things I know. One is this, one is this. Listen, it's not my time yet, and nobody's going to take me in the middle of the day. This thing is going to be done illegally. And Jesus knew this. Said, and then he says this, but listen, Lazarus has already died. You can actually look there in verse 14. He makes it really clear. He looks at him and says, listen, Lazarus is gone. His life is gone. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. Here you have a promise from God. Here you have the king of the universe declaring and saying, listen, this, this is not going to end in death, but God is going to be glorified. But then on this side, you have Jesus saying, Lazarus is dead. Now, it feels like those two things don't exactly compute. You're going to go through these gross, difficult circumstances, and it feels like what I'm saying and what is actually happening are going in the opposite direction, and nobody actually understands what's going on. And we come to that moment in our own lives, those moments where we wrestle, 
And candidly, we have those moments where it's easy to believe that God doesn't care. He's not moving the way that we think he should move. Or we feel like there's a promise or that there's, God says all these incredible things. Here's what I'm going to do in your life or ways that I'm going to move. And, but nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, the thing that you thought was going to be great, you said Lazarus wasn't going to die. In fact, he's gone. And so what we're going to do here is just really briefly, we're going to look at three people and how they respond in this moment I think we'll probably identify with one or two or possibly all three of them, see how they respond and see what Jesus is trying to accomplish. First guy that you see right here in verse uh, 16 is Thomas. All right, this is, by the way, this is the guy known as Doubting Thomas. If, you, if you've heard Bible stories before, you'll remember the one where there was a guy after Jesus had risen from the dead and they asked him, uh, 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 they're all kind of like, is this, did this thing actually happen? They're, they're not really sure. And uh, Thomas goes, listen, I'm not believing that Jesus came out of the grave unless I put my hands on the scars in his hands. There's no way, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not believing this. I, I, th- this seems not totally realistic. He's that one. And of course, Jesus obliges and gives him the opportunity to say, go ahead, brother. It's okay. Touch these scars. This is that, that same doubting Thomas, right? And look at what he says. Verse 16, let us also, so Jesus says, hey, it's time for us to go to see Lazarus. Uh, they say, hey, if you go, you're gonna get killed. And he says, well, let us also go with him that, that we may die with him, all right? Basically, here's what he's saying. Like, Great, let's go with him. It's gonna go terrible. This, this thing is going to be miserable. And I don't know if you've ever just internally had this thought, yeah, I guess we'll go God's way, but it's probably going probably gonna to be miserable. This, is gonna, this, is, this isn't going to go well. This is that same, and, and you almost read a little bit of sarcasm, like, okay, great, Jesus, we'll go with you, and we'll just get killed. This is how this feels. Now, I'm going to ask you to get real brave and real bold on an Easter Sunday morning, okay? Because it's easy on, a, on, a, on an Easter to act like everybody's got it all together. Here's the question, and I'll be the first to raise my hand. How many of you have ever had doubts about God in some way, form, or fashion, right? Okay, all right, it's good to know. We're just a, a big group of messed up people in here, right? We've all been there, all been in that place. Some of you have doubted whether God even exists. You've been in that place. You might even be in that place this morning. Or you've doubted, maybe you, th- you know God exists maybe somewhere out there, but you've doubted whether he's actually good because you've gone through some really hard things in life. Or you've doubted, maybe you thought he was good, you just doubted whether he actually had the power, the ability to overcome in some way. You weren't sure. I can guarantee you we've all had those moments. And for any of you that didn't raise your hand, um, we'll let you teach the sermon to us. We'll sit on high and you can descend your wisdom to us how you never had doubts, right? We've all been in that place. We've all been there before. I, I'm the first to admit we all experience doubt. We experience doubt about God's goodness or his ability to come through. Can you throw that up on the screen? We all experience that. We all come to that place where we have doubts. This is where Thomas is. Listen, we, we'll go, but it's probably gonna end badly. Everybody I know, 
Maybe you had a teacher. You were trying to just what you stand for truth, and you had a professor that made fun of you and said, do you really believe that stupid stuff? Maybe you've been in a place where something really bad has happened to you, and you've really questioned, do I really believe that God is good? Or if he was good, why did he let that happen? You ever ask those kinds of questions? So we've had those kind of moments, doubts. So you have Thomas, or or maybe you're not like Thomas, but maybe you're a little more like Mary when you see Mary. So what happens is when Jesus finally comes, when he finally shows up to where Lazarus has been buried, he's coming to town, and immediately they find out he's coming, and everyone runs out to greet him and to come talk to him, and Mary doesn't move. She sits there because she's going, what's the point, right? What's the point? Lazarus is already dead. You had real hope that God was going to come through, but when he didn't come through, you end up really discouraged. You feel discouraged, like, I I know that you wanted to show your goodness, but I'm not seeing it. We have moments where we feel discouraged when it didn't seem like God came through. You've been at those places before where you're hoping and you just think, listen, I know, I, I, I know, God. You, you, you say you're good, but I don't feel like anything can be changed in me. Or I'm always gonna feel alone. Or I'm always gonna feel depressed. Or I'm always gonna be stuck in this dead-end job. Or I'm always gonna have this back-and-forth struggle in marriage. Or it's I just always, I'm always going to feel stuck. And you feel that discouragement. Like it, it, it sits on you like a ton of bricks. You've been there before. Like this thing that is out there, it, I don't know how to get relief from it. And inside, you feel discouraged. This is what Mary's feeling in that moment. And then... After Mary, you have Martha. And Martha, she's the one who feels the pain of the waiting, of the delay. We have those moments where we're waiting to see God come and answer, and it just doesn't come. We're waiting, but there's a delay if you look at what she says in verse 21. And this feels like, And I don't know about you, but this feels like something I would say in that moment. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had just, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So I believed, I trusted, but you just didn't show up in the time that I thought you were supposed to show up, right? And we can all relate, right? We feel that dead and the waiting. The thing is not happening yet. You're waiting on some kind of answered prayer. Maybe you've been asking for some breakthrough in a relationship uh, or or you've been asking for breakthrough in a marriage or you're, you're waiting for the right guy to come along in your life and it doesn't seem like it's happening for all the friends, right? Always a bridesmaid, never the bride. You feel the weight of that. And and that's something to be snickered about, but sometimes that's really painful to walk through. As someone, you see everybody else enjoying something and it's not happening for you. You've been praying or asking God to give you children or you've been hoping for an adoption to come through and nothing is happening. We've all been there. Waiting is, in fact, I'd say waiting is one of the worst things even in our culture that needs everything right now, right? If you're shopping on Amazon and you find something you like, but it doesn't have prime shipping, you're like, can't do it, I'm out. No two-day shipping, forget this. It's over with, right? 
We can't even handle Amazon waiting. <laughs> All right, so when you've got real hope, or when you put your heart into something, you're asking God to do something. God, would you take this thing that's sitting in me, or this gross thing, this area that is, I feel shame, and I don't want it anymore, and you're asking God to take it, and it just doesn't seem to be going and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. Those are real emotions. We all felt it. We've all been in that place. Maybe you've just been praying for God to heal something. Maybe heal emotionally. Maybe heal very physically. You've got an ailment. You're just, you've been asking God and just nothing seems to be coming through. And it feels maddening. So you've got all these people with all these real emotions dealing with these doubts dealing with this discouragement that we feel, dealing with when God delays and he isn't moving and we're waiting. And so the question is, what do we do? In those moments when you're like, God, are you here? Are you, are you, are you playing around with this? Like, what's happening? Have you ever had those thoughts? Now, look at now, I want you to pay attention to something, because I want, if you will, you want to go back to verse 5. I want you to see something about the heart of God. Because if we're not careful, it's easy to think that God is one who's playing games, but God doesn't play games. In fact, I love the scripture because it says here, Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha. I, I think that scripture is there just to affirm something. Hey, I'm not playing games, but listen to this. There's something deeper and richer and more powerful that I want you to see. Jesus isn't here playing games. There's something that he's trying to accomplish. Like, can I tell you, the reason we're seeing this scripture, we're seeing how people are interacting and responding to Jesus, the reason that Jesus has delayed in coming through in a way that we, we think he said he was going to come through is to this. God is resolutely wanting to anchor down in their hearts. And I'd say he's wanting to anchor down in our hearts. Listen, he wants to say this. I love you. I love you, but I need you to know that I got this and you need to trust me. See, I said, listen, I'm going to be glorified in this situation. My glory is going to be magnified here. My good, meaning my goodness, my kindness, my mercy, my power, it's all going to become evident, and it's going to be real. And we know this, that when we taste and see the goodness of God, that's, that's the thing that changes everything. When we see the glory of God, and Jesus is working and helping take his people on a journey it seems like it would be better if I answered all of the cries of your heart right here, if I answered all of the prayers, if I answered them in the timing that you wanted, if I removed all the discouragement. It seems like it would be better if I just did all those things, but I'm going for something deeper. I'm gunning for a place inside of you that's resolute and doesn't move no matter what the shadow is, no matter how deep the valley goes, right? even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to know I'm for you. I'm working for you, but you gotta trust me. 
That's where he's going. That, that's where he's going. So this is what he's trying to accomplish. Look at verse 21. So here Martha responds. She says, listen, Martha. Uh, Martha says, Lord, if you'd been there, been here, verse 21. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now look at this. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Now, here it is. Here it is. Even now. Now, you just repeat after me. Even now. Even now. All right. Say this again. Even now. Even now. All right. This even now is the most important thing. This morning, I love this example of faith because here it is. Here it is. Here's the, this, here's the glimmer of hope. Here's the glimmer of faith. Here's this glimmer of trust. This is what I know the Lord is looking for. Look, even now, Lord, I know that you are able to come through. Even now, even though everything looks dark and I don't understand and I feel, I, I feel the doubts and I feel the discouragement, I feel the weight of, of the delay in your response, I feel all those things, even now, and there's where it is, God's pressing through, looking for that place where we just say, but God, even now, I know you're good. Even now, when I'm discouraged, the presence of God can come in and just begin to build faith. Even now, when we feel alone, the presence of the Holy Spirit can come and give peace that surpasses understanding. Even now, God can reach into our messy families and begin to reorient and fix and restore and forgive. Even now, when my heart feels cold toward God and you feel like God's a million miles away, even now, in that moment, God can soften hearts and draw us to himself. Even now, anything that looks impossible can become, with, can become possible because with God, all things are possible. Even now, just somebody to believe, even now, even now, there's something that's dead. And we need the resurrection power of Christ to come and do what Jesus did. Because Jesus says, listen, your brother's going to rise again. And she doesn't get it. I'm going to just tell you, I love this. I love the faith. I love this little faith. It's, it's just misunderstanding. She's reaching. She's grabbing. She's trying to hold on. Lord, even now you can do these things. And he says, listen, I promise you, Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. She goes, yeah, yeah, I, I know. What she says, yeah, I know that on the last day she's going to be resurrected. I, I get it. I understand that part. And he's like, you should, you know, I love that just realness. Like, hey, I, I get what you're saying here, but she just reaching for him, just the littlest, tiniest bit of faith, right? But she's got some misunderstanding. She doesn't understand exactly what she's saying. She's like, yeah, I mean, theologically, I get that, you know, you're going to come again and we're all going to raise. That's great. But I just had hoped that you would come through this way. And she's just expressing this just tiny expression of faith. And it's so good. And he says, no, 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 you don't understand. Here's what you don't get. Look at, you can look at what Jesus says. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and life. See, listen, you're not waiting for an event. You're looking for a person. See, resurrection, she didn't understand. The resurrection was not an event. It's a person. 
life, listen to me, life is not contained in moments. Life is contained in a person. Here's what he wanted all of these people to see. You are hoping for a moment. You are hoping for this minute that I come through and fix everything. But I want you to understand something. What you really hunger for, what you really want is me. I'm the resurrection and I am the life. I'm not, I'm not an event. I'm a person. Because when, listen, when the resurrection walks in the room, sin has to leave. And unbelief has to melt away. And when the resurrection walks in the room, then supernatural peace goes wherever he goes. You understand? We aren't looking for a moment to receive peace. What we're actually saying is, Jesus, I need you to come into this moment, you, the resurrection, because it's in you I actually have peace. This is what he was pulling on their hearts, those that were in doubt and and discouragement and frustrated with the waiting. I'm the answer. I'm the one who can speak in that moment. When the resurrection shows up, mercy fills our hearts and we're able to forgive those that have wronged us. It's what he does. Says to her, look, I am the resurrection and the life. Now here's what he says. And this is probably the most important thing to catch. I am the resurrection and the life. You were hoping for a moment, but I want you to hear this. I am him, and whoever believes in me, and you can see it for yourself, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? Springs it home. <laughs> God has a way of just pushing right to the point, right? We're all fussing about the stuff that's not going our way or when the thing just feels dark and it's closing in or there's no hope or there's, I don't even know how we're going to make it to tomorrow. And he just comes in that moment and he says, listen, whoever believes in me, gets life. Do you believe? And that's ultimately the question. That's this moment. And I'd say this, this is the moment for every one of us. This is the overriding question. Do we believe? Do we trust? Can we trust him and his goodness more than what my circumstances say and more than what I can perceive with my eyes or my ears, do we believe even now, God, I know you love me and I trust you. I trust you to be able to declare that because the promise is life. The very thing we want, the way, the many and myriad of ways we celebrate it in this life, this is what Jesus is giving to all of us. We can't even begin to understand. Lazarus has been in that tomb for four days, right? He's gone. He's dead. And Jesus comes up and he says, roll the stone away. 
And the people are going, this seems like a really bad idea. He's been dead a long time. That we had an opportunity. And in fact, uh, Martha's like, listen, if, if we roll this stone, it, this is gonna stink. Re- I mean, it's gonna smell really, really bad. In fact, if you, if you have a, ch- uh, a King James Bible, if you, if you old King Jimmy, you go by the King James Bible, if that's what you read, it actually says, surely he stinketh. <laughs> so just giving that to you. Fit, just maybe just one for the... King James people, all right? Like, this seems like a bad idea. And he says, roll the stone away. But here's the deal. When the resurrection himself walks in the room, the dead are raised. Whatever's dead comes alive. Why? Because he is the life. He comes to bring it. Verse 43 says, come out. And guess what? Lazarus did. The same voice. Now I want you to hear this. The same voice that is the resurrection that called Lazarus out of the grave is the same voice that's speaking to you and me. Come out. He's saying, come come out. Trust me. I'm the life that you've been looking for. All the hope and joy you've ever desired to have, it's in me. Our sins can be forgiven because of the power of the resurrected king. We can be set free. Listen, not because we're strong, but what? Because he is free from sin, not because we're good, but because he is We feel his presence, not because we deserve it, but just because he's kind and he's good. He's amazing. That's what the resurrection does. He comes in this moment and he says, for anyone that's just willing to say, God, even now do your work. Even now I trust in you. He promises to meet us in that place. More than what I can see with my eyes, more than what my circumstances say, I don't care. I believe in you. I believe in you and I trust you. That's what we know, and that's what we see here in the, the scripture. Jesus, listen, we all know this. Jesus came and he went to a grave. This is historically, can't run away from this. We know Jesus lived and he went to a cross and he went into a tomb, and he came out of that grave. Listen, we're all in this room and we're here celebrating. You came on Easter Sunday because of that moment. We all know about the what But what's deeper is the why. Why did he do it? Why? And the answer is this, because he knows every one of us, every one of us is in a place of decaying. That we all have sin. We all have this massive vacuum inside of us. Every one of us is in need of something beyond ourselves. We've all felt it in some way. Because there's, listen, just candidly, there aren't enough dollars. There's not enough promotions. There aren't enough relationships or children or vacations. There's not enough of it to answer the cry of our heart. There just isn't. We feel the weight of that vacuum inside of us. The reason that Jesus came is so that he could come and speak to that and say, you don't have to be there anymore. I am the resurrection and the life, and I've come to give you me. I've come to give you me. The circumstances might not seem like I'm here, but I've come to make myself known to you. We're all 
in the tomb apart from the powerful love of Jesus. And that's what he wanted to declare to us. Because of the incredibly powerful and great love with which he loved us, he took, listen, he took all of our decay, all of our sin, all of our unbelief, all of our doubts, all of our discouragement. He took it all on himself and he took it into the tomb so that he could take our decay into the tomb. He willingly, listen, he willingly put it on himself. He willingly put it on himself so that we could come out victorious as he did. He came alive and it made us alive. If you find yourself in that place where you're walking through that valley, where you've got that discouragement, here's the declaration, I love you, I'm for you, you can trust me. Even now, come and see what I might do. Jesus is the one who is forever victorious, and he loves us enough to give it to us. He isn't victorious alone in himself. He comes to give it to us. It's what he wants to do. It's what he wants to accomplish. See, God is eager to share his goodness with us. He's so eager to share his goodness with us in ways, listen, that we cannot fathom ways that we can't fathom, but it comes by trusting in him in ways that we cannot see. Promises to show us his goodness. We can't even begin to understand all that he wants to do. We're just gonna, we're, I want to take a minute just to pray and ask God to come and just declare that and reveal that. Now our team's going to come up here and just get ready. Father, we just want to take a moment to come before you. And just to be real with you. To see, God, that you're always working for our good, even when we can't see it for ourselves. Jesus, we just want to acknowledge something here for this moment. You went to the cross and into the grave. And you took with it our sin, our brokenness. But you did not stay in the grave. You came out alive and victorious. And you gave hope. And you gave mercy. And you gave kindness and you gave peace. You gave us the ability to be walking, if you will, God, as you said in your word, through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to be in fear. We can believe. We can believe and trust you that you love us and you're working for our good that you're not against us, but you're for us. I thank you, God, that you love people who are stuck in places of doubt and you're, you love people who are disappointed and discouraged. You love people who don't understand the delay or why you might not have come through in the timing or the way that we thought you should. I thank you, Jesus, that you encountered all these people 
and you came through and you pulled Lazarus out of the grave and that you have the power to pull us out of the grave. Just a couple of people I want to pray for this morning. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Guarantee this, I'm not going to ask anybody to come up forward or shake my hand or anything like that. I have no desire to embarrass you, but I just want you to be real before the Lord. If you're here this morning and you have just been wrestling with some doubts, doubts of some form maybe, not sure if God's for you, that's been something you've been struggling with. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just between you and the Lord saying, that's me, I'm, I'm wrestling with doubt. Would you just be honest before the Lord? Raise your hand and just say, that's me. Pastor, would you pray for me, my doubts? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you've been in a place where you are, maybe not doubting, but you've been discouraged. You've been hopeful, but you just feel really discouraged about the things that are going on. You've been hoping for God to come through, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening. If you find yourself just in that place of discouragement, again, heads are bowed, eyes closed. If that's you, would you say, Pastor, I'm, I feel discouraged and I need, I need God to come through for me. Would you just be willing to raise your hand? That's so good. It's all over. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. I also just want to pray for those that are just Man, you feel like you've been waiting forever. You feel maybe just even a little bit exhausted. You've been asking and praying and praying and you don't see the thing come through and you just, you're asking God to come through, but you feel a little bit tired in the waiting. If that's you, would you just raise your hand also and just say, that's me, I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord, but I feel tired, Lord. Come, just right there, yeah, all over. Raise your hand high. That's good. Thank you. That's good. That's good. That's so good. Thank you. And then finally, just you're in this place, you're going, listen, it, Pastor, it sounds like a neat sermon, but I, I don't know Jesus that way. I, I know about Jesus, but I don't know that I know him. I don't know that I know him as the one that I can trust. I've never put my faith and trust in him in that kind of way. I've, I've heard about him, I might've been to church, but I don't have this relationship where I can come to him and trust him no matter what is going on in my life. I don't know that I've ever called on him to be my Lord, King, and Savior. I've never made that exchange of giving him my sin and receiving his life and glory and his goodness you're here in that place and you just sense the Lord saying, it's time for you to come and, and jump into life with me. To make that exchange, to give your sin away, the things that hold you back and to trust, trust me and walk with me. If you've never done that before, again, heads are bowed, eyes closed, I'm not here to embarrass you, but if that's you, would you just say, I'm ready, I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I want to walk in a relationship with him. I want to know that my sin is covered and I can be made alive. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Lord Jesus, you're here in our midst right now. You don't leave us in a lurch. In fact, 
you have ironclad promises right now. You never leave us and you never forsake us. We can stand on your promises even when we don't see things working the way that we want them to. We can trust you in the delay. We can trust you in the place of discouragement and despair. We can trust you even in our doubts. We can come to you, Lord, and you promise to answer. And I thank you for that. We thank you so much for your life, the joy that you bring. We want to honor you. We want to lift up your name. If you would stand with me, you can put your notes down. Stand with me this morning. We're just going to finish this morning with a song. An opportunity just to declare the goodness of God, to praise his name, to lift up the name of Jesus. Can we just say thank you to the Lord for his goodness and his mercy? Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're victorious. God, come, fill our hearts, fill our mouths, fill our minds with praise. We honor you in Jesus' name.